Hello. Good evening. Hello. How's everybody doing today? Hi, Ronald. How's it going with you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. On the up and up, right? From the bottom? From the bottom. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Well, I'm John. <laughs> Hi, Steve. How are you? Hi, John. I am fine. How are you? I'm Ronald. How are you? I am fine. How are you? <laughs> this is Movie Schmovie, episode 70. <laughs> oh, man. Another another episode number that ends in zero. Yep. We've Just made it so far. Going so, man. We're running through them, man. I'm very impressed <laughs> with our consistency. Yeah, man. With our drive. We we could have did five and said, fuck it. We could have. <laughs> we could have said, forget this. That, that ship sailed 65 episodes ago, <laughs> the possibility of doing five. I hope everybody liked that new opening that we just did. That's We're trying to do something more dynamic where we kind of introduce ourselves. I think if you go back and listen to the way we started today's show, you'll see that there was, that we're like, there were just enough awkward pauses in the first 30 seconds of the show mm-hmm. to sort of get that out of the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's what you need. You need that energy. Right? And we start this show off very... On a positive note, on that yeah. very on a positive note, but just on a positive note, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a lot to talk about this episode. Yes, we gotta stay. We, we have a lot of a lot of uh, movies. I think they call them <laughs> right. Yes. To talk about today, <laughs> moving cinema files. cinema file movie yeah. videos. That's true, and movies <laughs> that that two or more of us have seen. So it's a oh, we're talking we're talking. I think three total films mm-hmm. that at least two of them we've all seen. Mm-hmm. And the other one, two of the three have seen. Yes. Right, right. That's amazing. Good job, both of you guys. Right. And, and I'd like to pat myself on the back, too, since neither of you give me any credit. <laughs> but thank you for anyway. <laughs> so, John and I, we're going to gonna go right into this. Um, I actually have you one throw little, something down? One little bit of business right before oh, we get business. started. Um, this is just something I thought I'd, I'd share with you guys on, on the mics because, uh, you know, it's, it's, imp- it's important that you know that... When you guys come over here to record an episode, you think mm-hmm. you leave and you're just out of sight, out of mind. But I'm mm-hmm. about to prove to you that, that that's not the case. Um, you may remember a, a couple of weeks ago, we had, uh, you th- might not stick out in your memory, but there was a moment during the podcast where we were talking about Kickstarter products and you referred to Ronald as Mr. Tennis Shoe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just stuck with me that that kind of sounded like a superhero name. Mm-hmm. So then I listened to that episode and I, and I pulled a couple of other possible superhero names from that same episode <laughs> and I sort of assigned my five-year-old live-in artist to maybe do <laughs> no some superhero way. designs. So since we are in the middle right now of the uh, summer, we're not quite in the middle, but since we are at the, the beginning of the summer movie season, there's a lot of superhero action. I thought you guys mm-hmm. might want to know that it's not just superheroes that are in movies that we talk about on uh-huh. this podcast, but we're superheroes ourselves. Wow. So <laughs> You guys cannot experience there's this. There's Mr. This Tennis is- Oh, my goodness. This guy's incredible looking. There's Steve Dexter. Steve Dexter. <laughs> by day, he's a good guy. By night, he's a bad guy. Nice. Steve Dexter. And then, I like this. I'm the Killjoy. The Killjoy. <laughs> <laughs> these are amazing. They are amazing. We have to scan these John, and post them immediately yes. to Facebook. I was thinking what we'll do is we'll scan them up and I'll uh, we'll have them ready to... Well, they'll be like oh, the episode man, artwork definitely. for this episode. Wow, this is incredible. <laughs> I'm so going to frame this because one day it's going to be worth a, something. Hold on, let me take a picture of that before I... Take it. You, you'll get it back. Yeah. <laughs> it's yours, Ronald. I oh, think. Man. Well, after I scan him, I'll get him. Uh, yeah. Is it possible to have him sign these? Yes, yeah, that's what I was going to do. Okay, excellent. Him, maybe even write the character name. Please, that would be better. Just so there's no confusion cool. on what Thank that you. is. So I was, I, I, I gleaned enough to know that this is great. Amongst the powers, uh, Mr. Tinnishu seems to be a Tony Stark-like figure in that he, he like makes 
jets and bombs and things like that, but they're all tennis shoes mm-hmm. shaped. Um, and Henry actually told me that I asked how did he become, you know, I said, well, how did Ronald become Mr. Tennis Shoe? He said he was bitten by a radioactive tennis shoe. <laughs> you do have to watch out for them. <laughs> yeah, right. So you might want to be careful. Uh, Steve Dexter was, Steve, and I should say, was turned into Steve Dexter <laughs> when he was hit by a mysterious laser. <laughs> And <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. Wow. I have no memory of that. And apparently Mr. Tinnishue then built a machine that that I got into that turned me into the Killjoy. Killjoy. And yeah. the thing about Killjoy's powers is you can see he's shooting green rays out of his hands mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. That is apparently, as Henry says, he uses that to change people's attitude. Nice. So what happens is if you're like a bad guy and you're like coming in and you're getting ready to fight, what I can do is not so much like stop you from fighting, but just make you not want to fight. Like I shoot you with a ray and you're suddenly you're not that excited anymore about your plan. I like um, that. Also, and this is kind of a cool power, I have to say, uh, at night I can call forth the forces of the dead, according to Henry. Wow. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. I think you got the best one. That's great. Well, the thing about it is there's a whole nighttime thing. There's a nighttime line for the superhero team because at night you're out there trying to be a bad guy. <laughs> so a- apparently what we have to, like what Mr. Tennis Shoe and Killjoy have to do is at night we our job is to sort of keep you out of trouble. Oh, okay. And there's like a giant tennis shoe sort of cocoon chamber that we try to put you keep in every me night. In. Yes. So, and lace me up? Yes. Okay. There was a Do I have any special powers? Um, you can uh, you have your as you can see from the drawing you have a purple claw hand and purple claw foot which makes you very strong and menacing. Of course. Um, but you also can run so fast and when you're running you become invisible. Wow. Yeah. That's an amazing I mean, that makes it really easy for me to be bad at night. Yeah. Because you can barely see me at night to begin with. Yeah. And my night vision, the one thing they don't say is Killjoy's night vision is not that is strong. Horrible. Not as best suit. <laughs> oh, this has made my night. This yeah. is the best episode oh, ever. <laughs> this kid, I swear. Right. Wow. Steve Dexter. Mr. Yeah. Tennis Shoe kind of looks oh, like, good. Mr. Tennis Shoe's face kind of looks like a Ninja Turtle a little bit. <laughs> I like it. Like I Michelangelo. Like I like it. I like it. The sneakers have stars on them, right? And those... And yeah. on this drawing, you can see there's a great. Uh, that's I think that's me and the machine becoming Killjoy, and that's that's the whole storyline uh, flying. Or that's Mr. Tennessee. This is a bad guy. Apparently, I asked oh. what his bad guy's name was. Noctonius. <laughs> Noctonius has a four pack. Yeah, <laughs> he is ripped. He, does. he is ripped. He is super ripped. So I'll have to scan Noctonius too. I guess yeah, you got to have him with in. some kind of fist oriented yeah, power yeah, with yeah. a name like Noctonius. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So now you can see that now Iron Man looks like nothing I know. compared to these. L- little to no creativity involved in Iron Man. God. Well, well, thank you to, yes. your, to the little man. I Thanks. Will, I'll tell him. He was excited. That's what he, when you guys got here in the kitchen, he said, I saw whisp- that little whisper. whispered to me. I saw the whisper. And I heard that. I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> what I like, Steve, is that he, he got your sort of little my, sort of my, my, my hair yeah. push up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. He's All very right. observant. Wow. I'm flattered. <laughs> I love, I really do love that picture. Yeah. I'll give you, um, as soon as I get him scanned in, I'll, I'll give you guys the originals. That, that is incredible. Cool. I can't wait to show it off. Mm-hmm. I get it framed. All right, so let's get into this. Uh, let's get into something far less adorable. <laughs> <laughs> far less adorable. Well, mo- in most cases, all these movies, not so yeah. much adorb- adorableness. Although adorability. some of those baby pigs in Upstream Color were pretty cute. Yeah, the, I, I kind of want to get one, yeah. like a teacup one that stays small. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, the first film we're going to talk about is John and I. We both saw uh, Upstream Cummer. <laughs> Upstream color. That's the porn version of Upstream Comer. Upstream Comer. There is a there is a director's bootleg where they went that route. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So Upstream Color. Yes. Uh, The second effort from is it is it Shane Caruth? Caruth. Yeah, the director of Primer. 
Uh, this has been like the film pretty much that came out of Sundance this, you know, earlier this year in January. It's uh, now available on video on demand and I believe Blu-ray. Um, I know, John, you were really geared up to see this film. Yeah. And I don't know, the first thing that I think about when I saw it, and I, I messaged this to you, is like, I just feel like this is the kind of movie that makes me not sure if I actually understand life a little bit. <laughs> like, I, I did, I do, oh, excuse me, I do think that I understand what the movie was about, and like, and a lot of the through through lines that go, you know, with the main characters and the, the main the main guy and girl, Chris and uh, whatever Shane's character's Jeff. name was, Jeff. I get. I like, didn't remember that. I'm looking at the yeah. Okay, IMDb good. I get. Right I get that, and I see with the other characters. We have the thief. We have the the, the audio sampler slash pig farmer, mm-hmm. and, and the uh, the orchid gatherers, harvesters, orchid mother and orchid daughter. Okay, there we go. <laughs> mother and daughter. I don't know. I just. I just. Oh, man, I felt this way when I saw Primer, and I felt this way about films like like Tree of Life, and I don't know, like I know Ronald did not like that movie at all. It did not. It's like it it feels like one of those puzzle movies, you know, like where you there's not a, there's a mystery to it, but it's not a mystery type of movie, right? You're trying to you're trying to piece together what this what this picture should look like or what he intends it to look like with the pieces that you're given and some of the things you're filling in yourself, but right. There's just something so uh, I don't even know what the right word is to try to describe like his kind of film. Well, I mean, I think there's something they're sort of demanding films in oh, a way. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I haven't seen Tree of Life, but I mean, I've got you know I've got mixed feelings on Terrence Malick uh, right. and directors like that, where it's like they may be brilliant, and in fact, sometimes it seems that they are, but that doesn't mean every time they're infallible. Sure, absolutely. Um, and I think that. I do come down on the side of thinking Upstream Color was a uh, was an interesting movie that I that I did enjoy and that I would you know actually maybe want to see again someday. Definitely. But um, but there's still a part of me that kind of to what you're saying. I think I get it too, and I think I think there is a. It's not that the plot as as depicted on screen is hard to follow. It's that it's such a strange plot line that you really sort of have to take what you're seeing at, at face value. And if you do that, you can connect the dots. There's a lot of really bizarre things going on in the movie but they're the way it's depicted if you try to connect the dots it's very apparent you know what the movie's trying to show you sure and at the risk of ruining i mean really part of the discovery of this film is to watch it and kind of let it unfurl um but the 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 nearest example of a of a or the closest thing to a plot you can say that it has is that it's about these people who are sort of brought together by something strange that happens to them by some sort of outside force that seems to be influencing them or controlling their mind and kind of how that both affects their lives, but also more so how it forces them to forge this bond with each other. Right. Um, but yeah, the movie is, it's not, uh, it's not really a plot oriented movie. I, I, I thought primer was more, more of a movie to puzzle over and there was more to kind of chew on there. Um, with upstream color, I found myself more uh, being just sucked in by the visuals and the kind of dreamlike way that the movie worked. And within that, it it does have some moments of what you might call deep sci-fi or or true horror. There's some kind of body horror going on in there. There's definitely some some gross moments. Um, but it's 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 the love story part of it that I don't know if I f- if I connected enough with it to really feel like that part worked for me on the you know purely emotional level. I think all the other stuff is interesting, but I, I yeah. do you know what I'm saying, Steve? Yeah, I almost felt like a part of me kind of took the whole their relationship or the romantic piece about it, like of when they act, when we actually see them come together, and I guess what it what actually causes that is so um, it's it's not artificial, but it's like induced. 
you know, so I, I don't, I, I don't know that I totally felt like I was supposed to buy them as like a couple, you know what I'm saying? Like I almost felt like I was supposed to feel like this is something that is unnaturally happening mm-hmm. because of like some of the things that we see earlier in the film of, of what effect this element of the film has on <laughs> it's people. It's so hard to talk about this. Yeah. Without... Yeah. I'm not trying to give yeah. anything away, but you, you see the, the element, one of the elements in question, like what it does to people or to two subjects or to two objects. And you see that it, it, it it's not, it's only happening because of, because of its introduction into this system, you know? So like, I don't know that I totally felt like them coming together was something that was supposed to happen, but more so something that just happens because of what, what, what was in the step before it. And like, even, even talking about like the other, like the three, I guess the three other characters in the film of, of what really isn't, there's not a whole lot of characters going or really even not a lot of dialogue going on in this movie. No, really, there's not. Yeah, each of the like the Very thief, visual. the sampler, and the the orchid, the orchid gatherers, like they each operate so independently of one another, but and yet really having no awareness of the other piece that you know of that we what's can going see. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, yeah, that you're able to see. You know, like uh, you know, the one fulfills its duty because it wants to and because it has a need to, and it gets something out of it. Mm-hmm. And then once that piece ends, you know, it goes on to this next piece. You know, like from I don't even know where you say it would start. You know, if it starts here or there, I guess you start with the pig farmer mm-hmm. to the you know to the orchids to the thief. You know, it's just like a cycle. But you almost get a feeling like they're not aware of where. What I'm trying to say, they're not aware of the step before them. Yeah, it's you know, almost they're like, not aware of why of why or how they got what they're doing with you know doing something with. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? No, it's it's re- yeah, that's because there is a there's a natural process that the movie kind of details that involves the life of this sort of parasitic organism. Right. And you see how that's connected to these people that have all these that are, that are I mean and we can see they're directly affected by this organism. We're, we're, it's never really defined to us what's going on. Right. But but the different people who are involved in parts of this chain are almost like the different the different you know, like in nature, the, d- the different animals that are kind of involved in a natural process, yep. the way that a bee spreads pollen, and he's not totally. thinking I'm spreading pollen for the benefit of these plants. Or he, he, it's a, it's a boy bee. That of I'm course. Yeah. I guess, aren't they all actually? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, <laughs> but like the, the, it, it's in that sense. So in a weird way, you're right. Like the people as players are kind of, you, either that you could say they kind of transcend their humanity to become part of this natural order and this natural process that they, they all play a role in it. It's hard. It, it's never really laid out how much choice they all have or how aware they are of the big picture. There's, you know, like the sampler guy does seem to have some kind of a, of if, if not an omniscient view on what's going on, he does seem to sort of be aware of, of how he's affecting things. Yeah. But he, even he is, you can't really view him as like the tip of any particular iceberg. And, and what's interesting about the movie, and I did read something that Shane Carruth said about it that did a kind of, shine a light on the movie for me is that he said what he was interested in depicting what happens when we see a character who's kind of stripped down in nothing and how they may be acting on faulty information. Like if you, if you strip your personality down to its barest elements, if you're starting from square one, there's no guarantee that you're going to be acting on good information or, or doing the right thing. And, and what we see this character do based on what happens during the beginning of the movie, we see that she goes through this thing that kind of leaves her at zero pretty yeah. much. Okay. Um, and, and so seeing how she kind of proceeds that we see at the end of the movie, that what looks like a resolution to the character, it doesn't really resolve the greater mechanics of the story yep. that we saw in motion, but for the character's purpose, it plays as a resolution. Absolutely. And I think that that can be very, I don't know. I mean, the fact that that feels a little distanced and kind of, alienating uh i it, it's clearly the intention 
of the movie. Now, is is it a pleasurable experience to watch a movie like that? Yeah. that that's that's what I think is up. And I think that's kind of what you're saying about this type of movie. That's like it can be it can be challenging and and interesting and good, but does it need to be that challenging? You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I was reading a lot of interviews with Shane and. Uh, he just is very, I mean, he just seems so intentional about it all. And yeah. I mean, it's like, there's nothing that is not being picked up that he didn't intend to be picked up. I mean, the only thing I read from him that he actually acknowledged of some, any, of any kind of correlation with the film and then a user's experience or a viewer's experience that wasn't intended was, was comparisons to primer. Yeah. You know, like everything else, it was its own thing. You know, everything that everybody's commented on critics and everything with the movie, it's like, that's exactly what he planned. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just the little bit I know about him, he's like got like a mathematics background. Mm -hmm. So he's very like, you know, very driven, focused, you know, everything has to be logical. And, you know, um, it definitely, it's been nine years since, since since primer primer too. So, I mean, clearly he, he takes his time with developing the material I mean, definitely, definitely a really cool film. I mean, I definitely don't feel like I disliked it. Or I, I did really enjoy it. Yeah. I just don't know how I feel about saying that I, I like I liked a lot or I loved a movie like this because I don't really know. I don't know. I just, you know, I definitely need to see it again, but I don't know that I experienced something that I take away with me. No, I think you're right. You almost movie. feel like a phony saying I loved it because you sort of feel like there's there's it's i mean i I just finished watching it today i think yeah, so, did too. I, yeah. so in other words i haven't had t- time to really pour over it everything. Uh, and it does seem like the kind of movie i would say the one thing how, how do you think it compares to primer i think i i think i would say i quote unquote enjoyed primer more mm-hmm. um because i feel like with primer i had i had i was accepting more accepting of the challenge to try to figure out what was going on yeah and just and to follow the timeline all these like paths that were being created by what that story is about mm-hmm with this one, I didn't really. I mean, it's you. You kind of catch on pretty early of like what the pieces are of this cycle, you know. So you're not really trying to figure anything out. You're more just trying to like go along with it and see, see how this or how these main characters try to close the loop on this. Mm-hmm. But I definitely felt like Primer was a lot more. Uh, I mean, I think actually Primer was probably a little more challenging to understand what was going on. I think so too. You know. But, but it was more engaging. Yes, exactly. Way. Like I felt like I was way more into trying to figure it out and like and try to like make sense of everything that was happening and like explain the movie to myself as I was watching right. it. But I mean, still, I mean, I was I I actually saw Primer a couple of times when it came out, and I mean, that's like required viewing I think to see that movie. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I mean, definitely a really impressive film. I mean, and you can see that this guy's got skills. I mean, he's. I think he's definitely a director to watch. I don't know that he will. Well, I mean, it's like he does the score. He directs oh, it. Oh, dude, the, the he, score was he shoots great. shoots it. He edits it. He stars in it. And on top of that, all of those things are done really well. Mm. As yeah. an actor, I think he's pretty darn good. I don't know that I think he's great. I think there's something about watching an actor shoot himself being so serious that does make me feel, I mean, like, it, it's not even an insult to, to, to call this movie pretentious, though. It is extremely pretentious. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but, it, but, but, I mean, a lot of great art is pretentious. It is. It's no, like, that's no. what you, actually, people say that as a knock, but you want your, <laughs> you want an artist to be ambitious and to try to make their work connect to something bigger than what it is, you know? Like, sure. So, so I guess what makes something, if it's pretentious and bad, it usually means it fails at what it's trying to do. I really think this is such a deliberate movie. I don't know that it, you could say that it fails. I, I do... Um, 
I do think I favored Primer for the reasons you said, but also I think that just there was a cleverness and kind of a wittiness to that movie that, oh, right. that made it more. It's like from as it was rolling along, you felt more like you knew what puzzle you were trying to figure out. And with sure. Upstream Color, it's really only when it gets to the end. I mean, this is not a problem with the movie. It's only 90 minutes or so. It's not a demanding movie in that sense. Um, but it, when it gets to the end, it's only then that you're able to kind of file away things in the right order and realize, oh, okay, if I'd known what kind of story this was, I might have, I might have. Uh, Spent less time trying to puzzle out what it all meant and just kind of riding along on the on the atmospherics of the of the movie. Because sure. I think there's a lot of stuff that happens in the middle that I still don't understand what order it was supposed to happen in and if it's if it's linear. Um, there's a lot of stuff that either is depicting nonlinear time or it's depicting simultaneous events happening at this, you know, or different different iterations of the same scene, that kind of thing. It all sounds very confusing to, to talk about, which is probably a sign of, of just what a, a cinematic experience this movie is. So, sure. yeah, it's definitely to be seen and to have your own opinion formed about it. And I, I agree 100% that he remains one of those directors that I will I'll very excitedly look forward to what he does next time, too. Yeah, so. for sure. Just to, some props to... Uh, uh, Shane Carruth is in it, and as I said, he's good. But Amy Simetz, who plays uh, the character Chris, yeah. I thought she was great, Absolutely. particularly in the opening of the movie where she's playing a character who's sort of not in control of what's going on, and she almost has to play someone who's almost in a trance. But there's a the, the, she keeps this. There's something. There's some spark inside her that is not just dead eyed. You know, she's not just playing this as a character who's who's like been brainwashed. She's playing it as there's some someone inside there trying to make sense out of things. And I thought she did a good job as you said, with almost no dialogue uh, yeah. of bringing that character uh, to life. So, Yeah, the, the film, I mean, visually, it's a, it's a gorgeous experience. And I mean, mm-hmm. like you just mentioned, him him being involved with doing the score, is, I mean... Yeah, the sound design the, 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 was, is great. was great. I mean, absolutely. I mean, even in the even in the piece of the film where the the pig farmer who's like he basically captures audio samples, mm-hmm. like even the the score over top of everything that he captures is even engaging and, and really interesting. But yeah, I would definitely recommend checking out Upstream Color. It's not for everyone. I I, I truly believe I probably couldn't watch it with half my friends without mm-hmm. them like. <laughs> Being like, screw this movie halfway yeah. through, or like, what what did you do to me, kind of thing. Right. <laughs> but I mean, for the for the you know, if you if you're aware of who he is or of his prior film, or you know, following the the the, the buzz out of Sundance, or if you heard us finally put the case to rest on how to pronounce Primer, <laughs> yeah, uh, and you're like, now I need to know more about this guy, <laughs> then I would definitely, yeah, I would yeah. definitely go see it. Um, it, it it's also it, it, aren't they doing like a simultaneous like Blu-ray? Isn't it? Is it's a it's everywhere now? Yeah, right? it, yeah, it, yeah. It just came out this this this. Well, yeah, this prior Tuesday, the the what was it, the seventh, mm-hmm. uh, video on demand, Blu-ray. I mean, and he's distributing it himself, himself too. Yeah, so. yeah, it went into Sundance, having said that he was distributing it himself. Like it wasn't. I don't think he was intending to have like a studio buy this film at Sundance. It was just like he wanted to do this movie himself, or you know, through whatever channels they have alliances yeah, yeah. with. But someone asked him, <clears throat> "Do you want to?" Get on, you know, get basically get a bigger budget and and start offloading some of these jobs on other people. And he said no, that he wants to keep doing everything. And the only thing he doesn't want to do as much of is the sort of administrative part of it. That, like oh. that's the only part that he doesn't like. But everything else, I think he's I think he's happy to spend time, you know, crafting these things. And um, I mean, I know in the meantime, didn't wasn't he like a consultant on Looper? Like to yeah. I mean, yeah. so I feel like it's there are probably worse things than being known for kind of being the go-to <clears throat> guy for smart <clears throat> sci-fi ideas. Uh, at this point, I, I like his mix of genre <clears throat> and, and something more plausible or something that feels more realistic. This movie is, is in many ways more far out than primer. Uh, but, uh, but definitely if you like primer, you check it out. Yeah. Just a quick note on, um, I was just reading about, uh, the, the actress you just mentioned, Amy Simitz. Is that how you say it? Is yeah. that how you say it? Simitz? 
she um she's gonna be on the new series this new season of The Killing oh, that yeah. got picked back up. Yeah, that it's comes like in, third, in June. It's the third season. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. random. But yeah. wow. if you're looking for more of her, she'll be on The Killing right, that right. starts back up in June. So mm-hmm. the next movie that we're gonna jump into. We're gonna say we're gonna go next. We're gonna say smaller. Yeah, we'll say the bigger one for the bigger conversation. Um, and that is the new film. Well, it's been out for a couple of weeks now, so it's probably in your town by now. If it, if it, uh, if it's if it's been out for a couple of weeks, but it's called The Place Beyond the Pines. Um, this is the new film with Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper, Eva Mendes, Ray Liotta, uh, the the weird scary dude from Chronicle, Ben De- Dion or Dehan, um. But this is uh, the new film from the director of Blue Valentine, uh, Derek Cienfrance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just went for it, John. I looked up how to say it. I, yeah. I found a couple different ways. But, yeah, so, I mean, <sighs> this is a movie that... We'll I'll put it to rest. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to this later. With an, we'll, we'll use the YouTube clip method to find... Because the, <laughs> the one person I saw that like was interviewing him that said his name, I didn't trust the guy because he was asking some really stupid... It? He, like, said Cienfrance... That's kind of what I just said, wasn't but, it? But he also was asking like lots of really dumb questions. Uh, yeah, so I yeah. thought, okay, this guy he didn't didn't check his work. But yeah, maybe it's Sean. The, the only thing the, the immediately seeing this film, I walked out and I felt like this movie felt like it could have I'm sorry, could have or should have been like almost like I want to say an American epic film. Like it, it felt like it had the scope of being one of those like multi-generational, you know, it's got the two plus hour runtime where there's there's definitely space to try to fit this in. Mm-hmm. You know, and even the subject matter, like the idea of, you know, fathers and sons and the repercussions of what, you know, what your generation prior has done with their lives and like what it does to yours or doesn't do and whatever. It could have been wrapped up a little better. It could well, have I mean, been, when, like, when you get to the end, it does. Yeah, I, I think that's I, I mean, we, we've discussed it a little bit. That's probably one of our biggest issues is the, is the third act of the film. But yeah. I mean, I just I, there was definitely more good than bad. I mean, I definitely, definitely still really yeah. enjoyed the film. I Me thought. Too. I thought most of the acting was pretty good. I definitely thought Ryan Gosling was great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I felt about Bradley Cooper. Um, I think in the in the older time stuff, like I guess when he's younger in the film, I definitely enjoyed his parts much more. But I think that's also maybe that part became a victim of I think what was like a rushed third act. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. What were your takeaways walking out of it? I mean, that was one of the things. Like, I I, I don't know if it was like what what. The whole politics thing do to you as a person that made uh, his, that's a good point that kind of washed his character out so much, and I think that's yeah kind of what it was. Like his, I mean, I I, I kind of don't want to give away what happens <clears throat> to Bradley Cooper's character, but he goes through. Well, you get the he, he starts out as a as a kind of a rookie cop, yeah, and you get the sense that he's he for him it's all about like it's a stepping stone that like yeah his you know we find out his dad's a judge. And we find out that he's maybe a guy with like political aspirations. And so you see this progression of a guy who's kind of using his his experience as a policeman yeah. as a stepping stone to get in, you know, to, and and it all kind of goes hand in hand with with the events of the plot as far as like how he advances and everything. So in that yeah. sense, yeah, I don't know that we were supposed to really get inside that character's head. He has a couple of moments where we see him kind of make a choice that that you know you might not agree with, um, or that you might recognize is going to be. Uh, is going to have bad consequences somewhere down the road, it's, you know? It's one of the only cop movies I've seen that have, like, a, a message about the the karmic sort of things that happen with cops. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you always see, like, the cop does something really shitty and then gets shot at the end. But you never really see the ripple effect of how someone's actions, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, that's 
to see it play out. Yeah, to see it play out. Because that's one of the things that's like the the beginnings of of some of the weirdness that happens in the in the forces. So there's an event that occurs with Bradley Cooper, and he's recounting the the situation with the cop, and it, there's a scene like that scene where he's like in the hospital, and he like gives an yeah, answer. Yeah, there's like, the, that's the moment like, I'm talking nah, about. Yeah, like that's not what happened. Right, and that's and that's the beginnings of like the the kind of underworld of what it is. They're, they're government gangsters in a lot. Some mm-hmm. are like some are law-abiding citizens and so i mean law-abiding we were just talking about southland so we're we we're, we're fond of entertainment where cops are are essentially good people trying to do the right thing too yeah. so but yeah this is definitely one that approaches that idea of corruption what i thought was interesting was when bradley cooper's character is kind of trying to strike out at the corruption he doesn't really go about it in a particularly smart way no. you see that he does it in a way that is very selfish and self-interested and it kind of contrasts with uh ryan gosling's character who is um, getting involved in some shady dealings on the wrong side of the law, but mm. he's doing it for what you might consider to be a very heroic, re- well, heroic, but a very, uh, he's, he's not doing it for himself. He's doing it to provide for for other people. So in that um, sense, it was really interesting to see the, that dichotomy between a cop who's, who's, who's doing the right thing for the wrong reasons and a, and a crook who's doing the wrong things for the what you might say are right reasons. I really enjoyed Ryan Gosling's shrilly scream every time. He oh, was- no, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> No, that I like. Yeah, what do you? Get oh, a yeah. Fuck, get a fucking crap. Yeah. <laughs> there's like, the, there's a video of that on YouTube. So like it just loops. <laughs> well, it's what's great about that is it's like that is it's that Marlon Brando thing that he does where it's just like you know it reminds me of like Nick Cage doing the squeaky voice in Peggy Sue Got yeah, Married yeah. or something like that or something Sean Penn would do too where it's like oh you guys want me to be in this movie well here's this one thing I'm gonna do is when I yeah you know. so Gosling <laughs> though when he plays yeah there's, there's a moment where he's flipping out and he, he his voice gets very like. Like whiny and yeah. shrill, and I love that he's kind of mad at himself in that scene too, though. So, I like you know. that his character isn't very—he's vulnerable in a, in a really like real way. The scene where he goes to talk to Eva Mendez, and he, he basically proclaims that he's going to take care of her the best way he knows how to, basically, and she she repeats what he says, and then he basically thinks that she's mocking him, mm-hmm. and. What what could have happened is with a with a lesser actor, he could have just started yelling at her, but you could see in his face sort of what happens whenever you hear something that kind of tears you down. You mm-hmm. kind of deteriorate when you're hearing something that's like hurtful, and you don't want to like react to it right there. But you have no like you're in a conversation, you can't mm-hmm. leave the conversation. It's things like that that Ryan Gosling does that separates him from a lot of people. Um, so did I miss the line of dialogue that explained why Eva Mendez's character had a squirrel's nest on her head? <laughs> she became an older woman. <laughs> Was that supposed to be? Yeah, like Eva, Eva Mendez, who, as we know, is a, is a very beautiful Gorgeous. woman. Um, it plays a sort of down on her luck, like a, a you know a, a mom who's who's trying to trying to get by, and she's she's got a good man, but you can tell that they don't have a lot of money, and they're you know she's she's like a working girl, um, and. Uh, it's funny when an actress like that plays that type of character, they always want to de-glamorize her, which I kind yeah. of applaud because, you know, it's nice to see someone without makeup or not looking like they were done by, like, a professional stylist. But th- th- I love it when they go overboard, when the sort of <laughs> implied insult to normal women is like, okay, Eva Mendez, in order to make her look like a normal woman, we have to, like, make her look like she's gotten run over by a train, basically. You know, like, her bags under her eyes, wrinkled face, like... 
I just think that's that, like I think they over they over deglamorized her character just a little bit. But yeah, uh, but you know I can honestly say the one thing I was impressed with her I I haven't seen her act in something that was really kind of meaty like this. I thought she was pretty good. She I was, was, I was. She was. I was very surprised in I, that sense. I mean, she, and the guy who plays her uh, husband or boyfriend, Kofi, yeah. that, that guy was really good. He was. He's also in uh, House of Cards. Yeah. Oh, man, he was good. Yeah. yeah. He's good. I mean, like... He has just the right energy for, like, the guy who you're with the lady and her, her old man is kind of... You know, her old boyfriend is kind of sniffing around for various reasons in the story. But, like, yeah. we know we know why why Ryan Gosling is is there. But as the new boyfriend, this guy Kofi, I thought he handled really well that kind of role of like just the way you you would reach a limit with it, you know. Yeah, you you see you see enough going on, it, it you kind of get to a point where you can't stand what's going on, and you you stand up for yourself, and whatever happens after that point happens after that. Point. Well, I mean, he keeps you can tell that Kofi wants to deal with this guy man to man, and and the character that Ryan Gosling plays, uh, what's his name, Luke Glanton. Glanton, yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's very internalized. He's another character that doesn't say a whole lot for for Ryan Gosling, but um, but that kind of that kind of it's like he's 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 definitely a guy who's who as you were saying about that kind of vulnerability. Um, you see the every choice he makes kind of play out, and you and you see how again you know why he's doing it, but you can also see where it's like this is not going to work out. Like that, yeah. it's a very tragic character. Yeah, it's 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 really sad to see people that that are kind of like. He's he's in a place where he he cannot kind of do above a certain level of help for his his the girl that he's has feelings for and and then to know that you know you see where he is economically see where he is mind frame wise he didn't see le- a legitimate job getting him the type of money that he wants and then he chooses what he chooses so it's it's just it's a really sad movie in a, in a lot of ways because that's there's some definite points where you you see some characters that have some paths that don't seem like they're going to end well. Yeah, and in fact, the 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 interesting thing about that is we get to see how that all that stuff pays off for the next generation, right. and that would be where, as I think you were talking about a rushed climax earlier, yeah. the movie kind of proceeds in three parts, and rather than kind of intercutting them the way a movie might do, it it plays it all chronologically. So you yeah, have. Yeah the story unfold and then it jumps forward about 15 years and we see the sons of the two main characters and how they interact. Um, and yeah, that part really like I, I thought, uh, Dane, Dane, Devan. I think it's yeah. Dane Dehan or Dehan. Dane Dehan. Dehan. Weird kid from Chronicle. We will also get an official pronunciation on that. Uh, um, but uh, I thought I thought he was good. I thought the other son uh, played by um, Emery Cohen, Emery, uh, Emery Cohen. Yeah. I thought I thought, I thought that character. I mean, he was definitely doing sort of a, a kid with a lot of bravado, who's kind of putting on a character. But I, I, it took me a while to realize that I just thought that that performance was was kind of from a different movie or something. Like, <laughs> like there's even a scene where Bradley Cooper's looking at his son, and his son's kind of standing by the pool, just kind of glowering at him. And the way that guy's playing that character with kind of the pouty lips and the sort, it looked like they were coming on to each other you know yeah <laughs> it looked like a romantic yeah. scene and that's the other thing too is this is definitely one of those movies where there's a lot of acting moments where there's a lot of scenes of just an, a character kind of staring and, and kind of being serious and sometimes that stuff works and sometimes it it feels like it just might topple under its own seriousness it, the same way i felt about shane caruth's performance yeah. in upstream colors there are just yeah. times where seeing a guy act serious uh you know, sometimes the movie doesn't quite justify the amount of seriousness. Am I the only one that thought it was really cool that they didn't reveal that it was in New York until like a half an hour into the movie? 
Um, well, I think that it was Schenectady. Yeah, um, they didn't which, really say it though. But like, I, until later on, I don't know when movie. it became apparent to me that it was that it was in Schenectady. But I, well, once I, once he got once something happened legally <laughs> with, with the police. Yeah, yeah that's I when they said yeah, where, where it was. Right. But before that, there was no signage, no nothing, which I thought was really. Well, cool. That's where the name of the movie comes from. Is that's Schen- what Schenectady is the is a um, I forget which uh, which tribe it is. Uh, it's the uh, Mohawk word for on that side of the pinery or near the pines or gotcha. place beyond the pine plains. So the name of the movie is a reference to the fact that it takes place in Schenectady. I didn't know that before I dug around, but uh, um, yeah, and that stuff actually reminded me of Miller's Crossing, the the, the drive out into the wilderness. Yeah, uh, which again, I I I don't suppose that. Uh, this director is pretending we haven't seen Miller's Crossing, so in my mind that was like a reference more so than a than a something stolen or something accidental. But. Sure, fucking Ray Liotta. Yeah, poor, is he ever going to play someone that's not Ray a scumbag? Liotta. Right. <laughs> that I mean, the problem with that though sometimes is when those people are chosen, those character actors are chosen. You know their role. Mm-hmm. It's not really a surprise. Well, Ben Mendelsohn as the. <laughs> As yeah. the co-conspirator, uh, I, like I enjoyed him so much. Robin, he was, he was but he, but he's also going to be a. Uh, oh, I didn't even catch the pun of his name being Robin. Um, <laughs> but he, you know, he, he's he's getting the corner of the market of sleazy, uh, you know, friend who's. Although in this case, he can't really say he's the worst one of the two. He almost seems like he's more level-headed, but he definitely is the sort of like devil on the shoulder uh, of yeah. the of our character. Yeah, he definitely knows when to stop. Mm-hmm. He does. You know, he knows when to go far enough to stop to not get caught or to get in trouble mm-hmm. in, in pursuit of this. Yeah. And a lot of it has, like, I, I kept thinking, like, a lot about the, like, how uh, Bradley Cooper versus Ryan Gosling, even maybe even talking about Robin, you know, as mm-hmm. his third male character. Um like what they perceived and how they were going to attain like this dream, you know, this American yeah. dream that we all have, mm-hmm. you know, like whether it was providing for your family by any means necessary or, you know, going about something by leveraging, you know, your father's connectivity and, you know, which, you know, which, which, what falls into Bradley Cooper's character. Yeah. You know, when we first meet him, he is so, he, he's he's very much he's the straight arrow like he's very much against trying to follow his father's. They did a good job of making him look baby faced. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and his haircut, and yeah. everything. He everything definitely about looked, it. Yeah, he looked yeah. much younger in those pieces. You're right. I, I would I would almost want to find out if they had him gain five pounds or so. You know, because he had that kind of like baby faced yeah. kind of look, and yeah. he definitely looked younger and kind of kind of like doofusy. You know, there's something about that haircut and that super clean shaven look that just made that character like you believed that he was a fresh recruit, yeah. you know. Or even in even in his actions in like the one scene that he shared with Ryan Gosling and mm-hmm. that whole build up, it's kind of not not goofy, but you can tell that he's like he's trying to prove something right. like, and and he's definitely there's definitely errors going on, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And 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 that's the scene that you were talking about, Ron, when he when he first has this conversation with the one of the you know i guess the investigators or like the internal affairs internal affairs bruce greenwood's character he was great too he's just you know he's kind of being pulled along because he doesn't really know what's going on but what i was saying was just that you you see like his character when we first meet him he he is very proud of not wanting to be like his dad who's like a a court a court judge or something like that Mm -hmm. and who's very well connected and very wealthy and they come from this money and like him and his wife uh, who's played by rose byrne uh, you know, he's like, I want to be a cop. I want to do this. I want to do the right thing. I want to, you know. Mm-hmm. But then when we see him go through these transitions, he realizes like, well, now I'm going to leverage this for the next step. And then he has a conversation with his dad and he's like, oh, now I'm going to go towards what he did. And it just seems like even though they both 
it ends differently for Ryan Gosling's character. Mm-hmm. You know, you see both of them making sacrifices that they would not would would, would otherwise not have made, mm-hmm. and both for different reasons. You know, like you think that you think that Ryan Gosling's is purely to provide for uh, Ramina and the baby. And, you know, I, I get the impression like with Bradley Cooper's character, when he makes that decision, he's he is definitely not as connected to his family mm-hmm. as you see Ryan Gosling connected to his, yeah. even though it's not really like they're not married. They're not anything. You know, it's a it's a child that he never knew he had. Until that first, you yeah. know, couple minutes of the movie, and Bradley Cooper is this man with the dream. He's got the he's got the girl. He's got the baby. He's got the father who's wealthy. He's got the good job as a cop, you know. And this this thing happens. Yeah, but from to the him. word go, his marriage seems strange. Exactly. And so no he doesn't have it all. There. So I think yeah. there's a point where he like where he feels it, even when he sees like the the son of um, Glenn in, in in the film. You you almost see something just like click in him where he like decides. Like I, I care about my family, but this is about me now, mm-hmm. you know. And like, and his actions are selfish. Like they're yeah. about him. Where you know the 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 opposite end was like mm-hmm. Gosling's character, which I think was that's something that I really liked about the movie. Which yeah. everything that they were in, I really did enjoy both those characters. Yeah. yeah, I just my biggest issue, like I just really had issue with basically seeing how it plays out with their kids and following Bradley Cooper's character into his political career and and whatnot, and seeing you know, how that all just it just felt so. <clears throat> It felt like a different movie. The last 30 minutes felt like a different movie. I would have actually rather it been like a bonus, like 40 minute movie or something like for the DVD or Blu-ray. Almost like the movie would have ended after like the second act. Yeah. Like if it would have ended kind of, you know, however it ended. And then I would have liked to that that have been an extra that I could have watched. It just didn't feel like it was a part of the movie like you said it felt kind of tacked on I think something else that we got to think about is that the the time that we're following the kids is like a little it's a lot more modern mm-hmm. you know yeah. seeing these kids in high school and like what one of them does or actually both of them like with with substances and whatnot like i guess being immersed in that world and seeing like what those kids do it's like i don't give a shit about that you know it's like and i don't and i didn't buy it really personally yeah i felt like i was going to say the same thing i felt like that it kind of loses a little bit of credibility when it gets to like you know, it just doesn't seem to have as sure a handle on the behavior of those kids and those characters. Yeah, like a very absolutely. limited spectrum of kid. I mean, I'm sure there's a certain reality to it, and I'm sure they did their homework, but still it feels very like like this is kind of a nightmare vision of what your teenage kids would act like. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like the, the the sort of lack of judgment and the sort of like the kind of stupidity of what goes on. Um and also there's that certain thing about the kind of questions about your your upbringing questions about your dad it, it it's it's like we're seeing when this character when the son of uh ryan gosling's character goes through all these questions about his dad it, it it does feel sort of like it's a little convenient that we're seeing it all happen over this short period of time as opposed to the way the other story unfolds where it all, it takes its time letting you figure out what the what the important details okay, sure. are um I, I you know I, I was thinking about what you said about ray liotta though it's almost like certain Act, like the casting of him in that role it's like all you have to hear is that Ray Liotta's cast yeah, and that like, does uh, all the work for you you know what I mean cap. just the fact that he's Ray Liotta means he can play this kind of this kind of scumbag instantly character. like you, you know he's gonna be like the pushy like the scene where they're like the dinner like yeah. he does stuff yeah, like everything that about that every movie I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was well done in this movie though as far as the way like the the the, the, the way those corrupt cops get their hooks in Definitely, uh, Bradley Cooper's character. You totally see the sort of devil's bargain that they set him up with that he can't really resist. Uh, I thought that was really kind of chilling and, and believable. But to say that Ray Liotta is good in this doesn't mean that you can't totally predict 
the yeah. type of his performance that it is, you know. Like I, I wanted to say, like one of the biggest takeaways for the movie for me was the opening scene. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have been talking about the opening tracking shot yeah. and following him from his trailer across oh, yeah. the carnival ground yeah. in, into the bike, you know, the cube that he or the the globe that he drives the motorbike in. I thought that was incredible. Well, I like the way they kind of there's a sneaky thing they do in that shot where he sort of leaves the shot. And then we see what I'm assuming is a stuntman, but I don't know. Uh, doing some the way th- they panned over for a second, yeah. and then sh- that was so well. Yeah, done. that was really well, well orchestrated. Like I'm yeah. hoping. I mean, it's I could. I believe he did a lot of his own writing in this, but as the stunt stuff that's in, yeah, the, in the actual, I would globe. be surprised if if that was yeah, him. But I, but but, really but it's well all within done. one shot. Like you're you're in that part with still within one shot. So that was pretty clever. Like, yeah, yeah, just it was. It, like the like turn for one second, mm-hmm. turn back to the globe. Well, there's a guy with in. a helmet, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got he's the helmet it. on. Yeah. That was so good. I just thought it was cool, like just following him across the the yeah. grounds, like yeah. people like asking for an autograph and like recognizing him, and like he's got this little bit of a rock star thing yeah, well, in the, this world, which is obviously I feel like a reason why he stays in it. Yeah, but then well, on, on the on the fairgrounds, the guy who looks like Ryan Gosling and uh, and like rides the cyclorama. I guess that's the closest thing to like. And he walks being around like with his man. shirt off, yeah, you know, yeah. like <laughs> half for yeah. half of that shot, he's got his shirt off still with his tattoos all out. Yeah, I, guess, I like. I guess they, that does help you a little bit. They yeah. got right into the story too, which was cool. Like they didn't show, so it starts with that, and then I guess it's like a year after he had met Eva Mendes, yeah. Yeah. which was cool that they didn't like overdo that beginning part like i I don't know like i think that the beginning the first two acts were really well done well i mean i think you know it's it's kind of fitting that we're talking about this in the same episode as upstream color because in both cases you have directors that just know exactly what they're doing and have a lot of control and it doesn't mean there aren't little little flaws that you know they're still sort of young directors in a sense that they only have a couple or a few movies to their name but but you can there's such a strong sense of style and such a kind of a vision and one thing i heard um derek Cian France, Cian France, sure. Cian France. Um, I think it is Cian France. Cian France. I, I've heard that a couple places. You might be right. Uh, but the the is that he said there are three bullets fired in this movie. Wow. And I did. I he, I read that after I had seen it. But when I thought about it, and he said that because someone was asking about his treatment of violence in the film, and he basically was saying that he he felt like he's very responsible in terms of his his treatment of violence and he never wants to sh- depict violence just for the sake of it sure and i i was thinking you know there it is very true that there and i i again not having done the count when i was watching it but thinking about the the significance of pretty much every time a gun gets fired in this story or doesn't get fired yeah. the choice that's made to shoot the person or not to shoot the person and at different scenes it plays out different ways it really does make you think about that kind of tradition of like what gets passed down from generation to generation, and how one generation might, whether they're whether they're doing it on purpose or not, might might kind of correct the mistakes of the past. And the movie does kind of end on a on a you know, semi semi hopeful note as far as that goes. Yeah. If you really think about what happens, you know, the ending could have been could have been uglier than it was. Definitely, I, I like the small town feel of it too. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, that that kind of lends itself to the idea of bullets. The whole idea that like. The whole city was impacted by everything that happened with up. the robbery, and everything. And the it, it makes it makes a difference if if you're in a a really small town and and robberies are occurring and stuff like that occurs and it's a pretty big deal. I mean, as opposed to being in a, a bigger city, right? Kind of getting lost in that, and it doesn't feel like that. Like it feels very very small town. And and whether it's a you know Schenectady, Schenectady, whatever the fuck, Schenectady, Schenectady, 
is that big. I mean, I don't know how big it is, but it, this movie really treated it the way that I like most movies that are like this to be handled. And that's like, it's kind of enclosed couple big stores, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? One big bank, a couple smaller banks. Like, it's it just really felt like a small town sort of thing. And I, and I enjoyed that about it. So. Yeah, and, and acid wash jeans. <laughs> acid wash jeans. Yeah. Man, I was under the impression that the it had taken place, like, like early 90s, right? Like, when it first happened. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. Well, you know, when I moved to uh, Maryland in uh, 1999, I saw the first acid wash jeans I had seen in five years. Really? So <laughs> now that was that was Dundalk. Oh, but, That's you all know, I need to say. yeah, right. <laughs> no offense to Dundalk, it just is one of those places that sounds like exactly what it is. <laughs> I enjoyed it though. Very good. I thought it was a great movie. I mean, the third act. I, th- I thought it was like almost great for me. I felt yeah. like just it, that last piece of the movie just didn't. I mean, I still would highly recommend seeing it. I mean, oh, I definitely yeah. really enjoyed it, and uh, it'll be a movie I probably I, ev- I eventually own. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely, if it's in your city now, playing it'll be at your art house cinemas. Probably, I don't know if it's playing any larger houses, yeah. but definitely check it out if you're a fan of any of the main you know acting talent or of Blue Valentine. Um, but the which uh, I haven't seen, I, I really like Blue, Blue Valentine. Valentine was no, I, I, I intend to for because you know I still haven't seen Drive either. What? So, I, well, so what? No, my plan is to have. How a did go- we let him on this what podcast? My plan, my plan is to have a Gosling fest uh, surrounding. Uh, okay, when, so our number when only, one, when only God forgives comes out, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see Blue Valentine Drive. What and the wow, So I'm gonna. That was like nev- our number one movie. Both of I think one of both of our movies yeah. of last year. I'm gonna Gosling it up. Holy crap. Drive was so good. Make sure you get a very very high quality copy of it. Well, only the most legal uh, copy will cross my path, my friend. Good. <laughs> but the place beyond the pines in theaters now, so definitely check it out. We all, I think, enjoyed it enough to recommend yeah. it for sure. Ron, well, I'll let you introduce the next film. <laughs> with your, it might be your last with your trademark. Might be your last chance groan. to say it the way you like to say it. Uh, the next movie that we're going to talk about is. Amy three, is he doing his Gollum impression? Again? Uh, yeah, I didn't. I got. I think. I think. I think people may have understood you to say that we're going to talk about Iron Man. 3. Iron Man three, which I yeah. thought was the proper pronunciation of it, was uh, uh, Iron Man three. Uh. <laughs> that, yeah, that you, you mixed awesome. up your yeah. complaining voices. Yeah. Oh, I do all of those. You went voices. straight to Bobby's world. With it, <laughs> um, but yes, Iron Man three. Iron Man three. What did you think, Ronald? I mean, if there are certain there there are a couple levels of turds. I mean, I I guess they're the turds that that are easy to pick up with, you know, the the poop pooper scoopers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was one of those. I mean, it it, it felt like it wasn't a strong enough storyline. Uh, Guy Pierce and was a uh, integral part of this story, and then. Uh, Ben Kingsley played. I love that that's your takeaway. <laughs> Guy Pierce was an integral part of the story. So, uh, you, so you watched the trailer. Yeah. Ben Kingsley. I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I take these movies at face value. I mean, it just didn't feel strong, as strong as the first one. I so, would agree from a plot standpoint. I thought character arc wise, it was really good. I thought plot wise, it was kind of all over the place. You how know, did like, you feel about the whole angle that Iron Man? Was like well, Tony Stark was basically 
mentally kind of off. I, I thought was my favorite thing about and it. having anxiety attacks. My favorite thing stuff. about it was that he was feeling the effects of what happened in, in the, the Avengers. Avengers. Yeah. I thought that was a really clever way to make it a follow up to the Avengers without having to reach those without heights to say that it's like affected him because it's like really he was the you know he's the only of that group of people he's the only kind of normal person who went through as much... I mean, I guess you could say, like, Hawkeye and Black Widow as characters, but, I mean, in terms of, like, what he went through in that movie, he's yeah. the only one that's not a god or a guy who turns green and all that kind of stuff. So in that sense, it was sort of... It was interesting to say what would the toll of of that type of battle be. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's hard not to see that the movie was drawing some parallels. I don't always like that, but I thought that there were some definite parallels to the sort of, like, idea of PTSD and particularly, like, the way that life in America after 9-11... You know, I think the fact that the kind of oblique references to New York in this story were definitely there to make us sort of think about what our kind of collective PTSD is all about in this country. And the the fact that the villain had so much to do with like a terrorist threat. It was all about that sort of living with fear. You know, something felt very real about his character, like in the Mandarin. I mean, just just seeing stuff of like Osama bin Laden in this. And, and like recording kind of the videos and yeah, and that was. I mean, one thing that I did like about this movie over the first three, I mean, mean, first two, I'm sorry, yeah. was that when whenever danger came about, it felt kind of isolated in the first two, and this one felt a lot bigger mm-hmm. because like uh, he Mandarin when when he when Iron Man first Tony Stark first has his open threat. Right, and then it's answered back with whatever hat follows. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty big, like huge. What happens, and that surprised me. And like I guess I was I was a little surprised at the stakes of this one. I like that about it. That but yeah, as stakes. far as far as what you were saying with the storyline, I do think it kind of reaches a point where the actual plan of the villain is sort of ill defined, and the sort of the sort of parameters of 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 like that. There's a there's a substance called extremists that uh, people have either injected or shot into them somehow that helps regenerate limbs. And so what we're seeing is like, you know, wounded soldiers that are brought in there and like limbs are growing back, but some of them apparently are turning into sort of human bombs. And it's not really clear if this kind of weaponizing of a person is the goal or if it's just a side effect, but we definitely, that, that could, that stuff could have stood to be defined a little bit more. Um, I still thought Guy Pierce was. I mean, I enjoyed him in that role, but it, once it gets to like the last third of the movie, he gets flat. It just, it just, there's not enough of. I don't, I don't understand. Like, it was just, it was just like an excuse to have a giant fight scene. Almost there wasn't really. Yeah, like a you plot. don't, you don't get the whole implication of what he was trying to do. Right. Even though there's a there's a scene where he's explaining it in in like two lines. Right. It still doesn't really explain it. it it's just enough to say we tried. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was yeah. like we tried to just kind of lay this out before this big ass ending. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, yeah. The thing is, if if you're making a, a a movie version, it's supposed to be like comic book light. It's supposed to be like self contained, self contained, and you should be able to look at it and say, oh, okay, I get this. This creates some curiosity, and I'll read the other one. But this felt like you should have had a a, a guide outside of the movie mm-hmm. to get what some of the extremist stuff was. You know, like that part of it being a negative of the script, uh, I think in terms of the positives of the script, that Shane Black touch is all over it. You know, for those who don't know, Shane Black was in the 80s, sort of a sort of known for writing kind of self, 
self-effacing action films. Like he wrote these larger than life films, but there was always humor that undercut the action. And there were always characters that would sort of comment on the absurdity of the situation in certain ways. So like last boy scout, the first lethal weapon. Um, and then what was the other one he wrote? Oh, the, not a, not a great film, but, uh, the last action hero was that? Oh man. No, last kid. Good night. Last kiss. Good night. Long kiss. Good night. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. No, no, no. Long kiss. Good night was what he did in the, but I think he also did the last action hero, unless I'm wrong about that. But I think he wrote, you know, the one, with with Arnold Schwarzenegger, kind of he's like a oh, movie oh, character oh. that comes to life. Uh, yes, I'm not sure. Hero. Yeah, yeah, he did that. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah, Long Kiss Goodnight, and then Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, right. which he wrote and directed, which was great. Oh, was Kiss my... Kiss was great. Yeah. Last action here, I always remember. Uh, that movie was so weird. <laughs> that's what you. Remember. That's what your takeaway was. It took you a moment to remember that. <laughs> I, I remember saying, "Reach your hand out, and I will catch you." It's a terrible movie. So let's see, yeah, Ryder, uh, uh, yeah, Lethal Weapon 4, Long Kiss Goodnight, Last Action Hero, Lethal Weapon 3, Last Boy Scout. Oh, Last it actually Boy looks like Lethal Weapon 3 and 4, he just got credit for characters. He didn't oh, actually write okay. those. Then Last Boy Scout, and then, oh, Monster Squad. Oh, yeah. And then oh, man, Lethal that's a Weapon. classic. So, yeah, I mean, he's written some really funny uh, films, and even something like Last Boy Scout, which is extremely dated by today's standards. <laughs> I remember even when I saw that, what I loved about it when I was... 14 or 15 was just that it was funny. I mean, it had like, totally. it has legitimately good, you know, comic beats in it. And this definitely follows in that. I would say uh, it's as the second movie that Shane Black has directed, it doesn't have the soul that Kiss Kiss Bang Bang has, but it's still like, I got my money's worth from what I expected from the pairing of Robert Downey Jr. and and Shane Black's dialogue. Like I was expecting that to, to provide some funny moments and it yeah. definitely did. So. How do you feel about Ben Kingsley in it? Well, you know what? We're, we're, we're getting like a squandered character. I, I liked his role, but there's a there's a moment in the movie where his character kind of <laughs> changes, and and I, I think after that, it was sort of disappointing that the way the movie was structured. But uh, but you know, I think we're getting into spoiler territory here. Do we want to talk about the twist or anything, or are we? Uh, you know, I I mean, I want to respect it. I don't want to give anything away, but. Well, there is a there is a legitimate like a, a plot, a sort of a plot secret that I think this movie has done a really good job in terms of the marketing of keeping mm. it secret. Yeah. So in that sense, I would say even saying that there's a secret feels like you're you're tipping the hand of the movie just a little bit. But all of the things that could be seen as kind of troubling and vague about about certain things to do with the villains, it all starts to make sense about halfway into the movie. It doesn't necessarily. There's really nothing that that replaces that feeling of that threat. After that point, though, that would be my one mistake. I love the twist. I don't really love what the movie does with with the twist as it sets up the The, rest of the story. The weird thing is he has an explanation for why the twist is what it is, but nothing to back it up. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like it should have more like if that's the case, we get we get why you did what you did, why Mm -hmm. everything is the way it is. But. It's not. No, right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like your agenda is to be being pushed forward any stronger what agenda you know what i mean yeah what is what is is, it's very unclear like it it's so weird that and maybe that maybe they wanted to make it like a random fuck america thing like Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna like do whatever i can do to gain power through fear what yeah that part of it was that part of it felt very (laughs) undercooked and it, it it's it my feeling was, okay, I like the idea. And I've heard a lot of criticism of this movie. People are saying they were getting superhero movie fatigue. And I get it. But I would say that part of what Marvel's done that I kind of like is that they've set up this thing where 
If you like these movies, every year there's going to be a couple of them that are going to keep pushing the story forward. If you're not into it, then you know you don't like superhero movies at this point, and mm-hmm. so so, yeah. so stop bitching about them. You know what I mean? Like I don't complain about romantic comedies, and you know what I mean. Those come out yeah. all the time that I don't want to go see. So it's like to me the notion that there's too many comic book movies, or that you can't have a fourth or a fifth it sort of flies in the face of the idea. These characters have been around for decades and there's countless stories to pull from. Sure. I, I It definitely, so in that sense, I would say I felt like, oh, this is definitely a successful extension of the storyline. Like it's a chapter in the life of Tony Stark as a character and it gets into really who he is, a, is as a character separate from the suit of armor that he wears. And it's a very, you know, in the movie, it's very literal that he has armor that he wears to protect him from danger. And now that he's living in this world of fear, he kind of goes crazy inventing all these gadgets and stuff. But like the the kind of message of that would definitely be a character that's that sees what his personal strength is outside of the armor he's built to protect himself. And that's that's kind of deep. I mean, in a comic booky way, it's it's kind of a deep idea. Yeah. I think that stuff works great. Uh, as far as a storyline, yeah, like it does not. I mean, I I think they were trying to find a way to not have to top the Avengers. But they definitely didn't come close to right. topping the Avengers, well, that's you know. Part and of it also, problem. did you have a question about like where, like why Shield or or uh, you know why Captain America or somebody wasn't? I mean, I know that this was an Iron Man movie, but it didn't really have an explanation as to why when the threat gets really big, why there wasn't help from from yeah. some of his superpowers. That's friends. one of the many questions that yeah. you, I mean, you like, saw that article I, I shared. Yeah. I there, thought I thought half those questions were a little were were, were not really questions, but I don't know. I, a lot of them, I honestly felt walking out of the theater. Well, let's and, go down the list. You want to? Yeah, go? yeah <laughs> I, I actually pulled a, I pulled a couple of them out. Yeah, uh-huh. this I think was an article on Film School Rejects. If you want to check it out, um, but they basically put together like nine or ten questions of of things that they were thinking about coming out of the movie. The ones that I know that I asked my girlfriend and I were talking about after we saw it. <clears throat> the first one was. Uh, well, actually, you just kind of referred to it, which was why was S.H.I.E.L.D. not involved in this at all? After having just dealt with this huge alien invasion <laughs> right. in, in mm-hmm. the Avengers, you know, something that's talking about national security is involving the president and the vice president, you know, terrorism. You know, the other films, the other Iron Man films, like obviously there's are, these are huge things going on, but nothing that was on the level of talking about the president mm-hmm. and the country. And you know national yeah. security, like you know, like it it's more story, like right? it's more like the villain just taking over like his ego and needing to make this bigger, badder thing. But this film, you're talking about the president being kidnapped, and you know things like that, mm-hmm. and no, 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 you know, no Avengers, no Shield, no nothing, leaving it up to just Tony Stark, just Tony Stark in yeah. his 47 Iron Man suits, <laughs> yeah. you know. But so that was the one. Yeah, um, I agree with that one. The other one, they, not that they would have had <clears throat> to have. Brought them in. I'm saying just to explain why they're not there would have been the thought. Even that, yeah. yeah, sure. Even like, that would have, I would have accepted why they're not involved. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, my other issue was earlier in the film, you see him in basically in installing these target points in his arm for this new suit that he's making. Um, I don't know, That's like, like the first scene, the Mark in the movie, Forty Two, I think yeah. it is. Um, basically, a suit that can attach itself to him, basically piece by piece, and like fly to him. You know, mm-hmm. basically wherever he is. Which leads to a kind of fun scene where he's only got like one boot and one yeah, yeah. and one hand <laughs> sure, on. Sure, sure, that's you know. that's fun. My issue, see, I don't know. I don't want to say some of these things. I don't know if I'm spoiling. Well, how about before we go further with these? Let's just say to anyone that's listening, if you want to see Iron Man three, you you probably know what you're in for. I don't think any of us are saying 
I mean, Ronald might be the person with the most negative opinion, but even you aren't saying it was it was useless. If someone it wants was, to go yeah. see it, they I should mean, go see it. There right? were some really cool parts about yeah. it. So I mean, yeah, I definitely, I I would say, yeah, if you're not going to listen to the rest of this conversation, I did really enjoy Iron Man three. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it like I wanted to. Right. I don't know that I love the Iron Man films as a whole. Right. Um, I did love Iron Man one. And I did love the Avengers. It, it had like a surprise. So give factor me something to it. in the middle, and that's probably where I am with this. Yeah, like it d- didn't have the freshness of of Iron Man one, and it didn't have the sort of scale and kind scope, of s- scope yeah. of of the Avengers. But some, as far as like uh, an interesting little character study of this character, sure, it's it works it absolutely. Works. It just yeah, and it's but it's definitely one of those where the plot, if you think too hard about it, it's just it's there's nothing even to really think about. So. Hey folks, just wanted to interject and let you know that from this point forward, the podcast enters deep into spoiler territory. Just consider yourself warned and hold on to your butts. Okay, so the next point is regarding the target points in his arm. Okay, so <laughs> when the when when as Ronald mentioned earlier, there comes a point when Tony Stark has basically opened up his home to to the Mandarin. Yeah. He gives his address out over national TV or whatever mm-hmm. it was. One, there's no real preparation on his part that this guy actually might come and attack him. <laughs> and when he does come and attack him, you know, there's a moment of 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 horrible thing about to happen, and he basically gives his suit to Pepper Potts. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it attaches to her with no problem. And she's able to fly it with no problem. <laughs> she knows how to operate the Iron Man suit. One, that's weird to me, yeah. that it works on her right. when he has to install target points on him for it to even attach. And then later at the end of the film... When Iron, well, Iron Patriot Don Cheadle's character um, Rhodes in the film, yeah, you know it's the scene in the trailer. This isn't a spoiler, but you see all the Iron Men. I have Man. an explanation for that. Okay, let me just explain it first. You see all the Iron Men in the air, and you know they're all flying around. But when he asks for one of the suits to help Iron Man fight mm-hmm. or to help Tony fight, he says no. I'm they've racist. All, yeah, I'm That's, racist. I was gonna say he's a bigot. Uh, no, they're, they're made for me. They'll only fit me or work for me. His kind. So, so, so. <laughs> That's what he means. Yeah, yeah. The one of the lesser dark varieties. <laughs> what if he had said, what if he had said, no, those only work with my kind. And then there'd been like a weirdly serious moment between them where it was like racial tensions are still alive and well in the Marvel Get universe. Get out of here, Jackie Robinson. <laughs> he cannot. No, but I see, I came up with an explanation in my head of that. Okay. But, um, well, so that's, that's my issue. Yeah. So what are your, what are your, well, you, but you're, you what are your points? Racist? I think he's racist. That's I it. Mean, I mean, and, and and it's his lady, so he probably had like a back. You know, See, that's what are, somebody else told see, me. Here, but here's I what think... I thought. My thought is that the 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 Iron Man, whatever the Mach forty two suit is, is different from those suits that that's the special because all the suits like there's several Iron Men. If you saw the trailer, you know, yeah, you've seen yeah. It. Those it's it's unclear whether those are suits or whether they're just robots or whether they're built to the same specifications of the regular Iron Man suit. Well, he gets into some of the suits. Does it? But well, in that final scene, I guess maybe what I'm saying is it's possible to believe that the that the uh, the regular Iron Man suit is is different in that way than those suits. But what I agree with you about is that. Uh, there's no explanation of that. And so what you do have is the one scene and then the later scene, and it really just, I think in the Film School Rejects article, they basically suggest that Tony Stark's just being a dick. Right. You know? And if yeah. that's the case, then that's yeah, really that's not good. Th- right, th- yeah, then it's... I mean, you make a suit for him. He, yeah. He's the Iron Patriot now. Yeah. You give him one of your suits. Mm-hmm. That suit obviously fit him fine. Yeah. That suit falls in the number of the Mark suits, yeah. probably in the number of like the low teens, mm-hmm. late single digits, and that one fit him fine. When yeah. he went to use it in Iron Man too, yeah. But why? Why? Why do none of these fit? Well, and and when he when he was <laughs> calibrating it and it was slapping onto his body, which was weird. 
Why why didn't it injure her in any way? Like he he that barely was slams a, into you. He was yeah. barely able to handle it slamming into his arm at one yeah. point. He's like and he had to catch it the last time so it didn't smack into his face. But to me, that's funny. Like, that that <laughs> yeah, was just part of the comedy funny. of like seeing, you know, that was one of the best parts of the first movie was seeing him develop yeah, that. To yeah. What he, but yeah, I agree that that stuff, it's like what you're getting at is the way that the movie tries to let you have the kind of fun, light tone and kind of humor in the middle of all this life and death stuff. It really just seems like, you know, the National Guard should have been involved. Yeah. It wouldn't have been a very interesting climax <laughs> to yeah. a superhero movie, but like in the, it, it does not quite, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. It kind of seems like what they're really trying to play there is that uh, Rhodey, the uh, Don Cheadle character, has a, uh, it's kind of the put upon sidekick of Tony Stark. Sure, and it's yeah. like, that's a funny vibe to play most of the time. But in that scene in particular, it did kind of seem like, like you just kind of scratched your head. Even Even watching it the first time, I was like, Huh, that's weird. Yeah. Like why not just not have that that line of dialogue in there because yeah. it brings up more questions than it than it answers all. Another thing that was weird like um the the terrorist tapes that Mandarin did were were like overproduced. Like they just were very Yeah, like, he did transitions. Yeah, and lots of editing and, and, and fade in and fade outs and large font like yeah. well-written font. It was very like over the top. Well, now that we've now that we're in the yeah, spoiler we're in portion the, of the show, yeah, we can we're talk in safe about territory. Mandarin and what the twist oh, with Mandarin is. Um, the the what I like about that, the reason I think that works, <laughs> as if as if you're listening to this, you either don't care or already know, is that the Mandarin, as we see in the trailers, the Ben Kingsley character is not the true villain of the piece. In fact, he, the character of Mandarin, is a is a fake persona mm-hmm. adopted by this british actor and and ben kingsley almost plays like a a kind of drunk sloppy version of himself in that role i mean he's just doing like i what the reason i love that is because the character of mandarin as as envisioned in the original comic books if you were to do it straight is is incredibly racist he's like the evil <laughs> mystical oriental you know with like the power rings and he's got like the crazy top knot i mean everything about him was like comes from the 60s when you could just say like uh, the chinese villain and people would go oh, okay oh, you know no. that's enough to make him evil um so bringing that character into today it would be problematic the way they respond to it is to like sort of meet that head on of you're saying, well, this character is sort of problematic. I can't tell where that accent's from. Is he Chinese? Is he Middle Eastern? I mean, there's all these mixed signals. It's all deliberate on the part of the you know the people that are that have hired this actor to play the Mandarin. How do you feel about it's, him? It's, having- it's, it's all deliberate to make him to make him a mystery man, you know. But in the context of the movie, what Shane Black and the other screenwriters figured out is a way to have that character and twist what would be an offensive racial caricature kind of on its head and say, you can have this character, but you can't really have this guy because this guy doesn't exist. This this malevolent Middle Easterner with all these mystical ideas and they stuff, this guy doesn't really exist. He's, a, like he's a, a bogeyman. You a know? Middle Easterner with a, like a Texas accent. Though. Well, with like, or even more like a Midwestern <laughs> Midwest, <laughs> yeah. Weird. What was that? That was, again, designed to... Yeah, it was yeah. designed to, in the context of the movie, it's designed to let people wonder who he is and wonder where yeah. he's coming from. In the context yeah. of us watching this movie, I think it was sort of there to sort of... I mean, it's they, they kind of tip their hand without really tipping their hand because as far as the commercials, you would just believe that you're going to see a Joker-esque, down with society, here comes chaos type, Absolutely. type villain. Totally. You know? Which would have been interesting maybe to see. So maybe the, the one complaint I would have about the twist is that the concept of this this Mandarin character who, sees, who, who sows seeds of fear, he's gone. And now we have the Guy Pierce villain in his place, and and his plan is so muddled and confusing, as we were alluding to before, that there's really nothing that replaces that that idea that at the beginning of the movie Tony Stark was kind of striking out against, you know. 
That makes more sense to me. Like, yeah. if I mean, I guess because we've seen iterations of villains like that in real life. I guess the the Mandarin like people rather than the Guy Pierce ones. It just didn't feel like it. Even when he tried to explain what his his goals were. Like Steve was saying. Yeah, I almost think that, like, what John was just mentioning is I almost would have rather had seen the movie have the Mandarin play out with the character that you... Yeah. You know, you kind of... Even though I did really like that twist and I did like the whole shift in in tone, for the most part, I I almost felt like it would... In in terms of Guy Pierce's storyline with with extremists, like, I see the motivation to tie those villains together mm-hmm. if there were two villains mm-hmm. if there was a true villain and then this science piece that was like supplying it I, like I, bane. I like that like bane right if it so was like, done like bane i would have i would have been like oh that's fucking awesome so, that mandarin is working for or God, or vice or vice versa yeah, or whatever we're like where you you get the instant you get the impression that you know uh killing was never able to get the funding or get you know get his technology or his science off the ground from the government, from the U.S. government, from Tony, from whoever, mm-hmm. from Pepper. Um, but then he found, you know, an audience, uh, uh, you know, in the Mandarin. That stuff I thought was really cool. And I was like, okay, well, and then you see scene when they're together filming one of these videos. Like, okay, so, like, he's basically bankrolling this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, and they're using this technology to be so uh, pinpoint and, you know, to basically plan these attacks on U.S. soil and these bombs that don't leave any trace and all these things. That was really interesting, and yeah, I, you know, I and that, that cool. I think it's an interesting point. Like that, I almost I don't like I don't know if I I know I've said it before different comic book movies, but I'm not a huge comic book guy. Yeah, I have followed some you know series over you know when I was younger and a teenager, but I'm not really into Iron Man at all in terms yeah. of comics. So I don't really have a real big backstory with Extremis or the Man or anything. I so, don't either. I just happen to remember him, and he was always that typical sure. sort of like, you know. And that's what I saw in like the research I was doing before the movie came out. So I went in there thinking that. So I'm like, well, where is that going to play, you know? Mm-hmm. And it really didn't ever take off. And I was like, okay, maybe they just kind of went in a different direction with it. And I mean, I think that the, the, the twist is like. See, I don't think the twist is the problem. I think it's that they had nothing after the after twist. The, well, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, that, and that's I agree that, with that, you that's guys the movie that, that we have. Compared you know to mean? what we got, I would. it's more interesting to imagine that threat that we saw at the beginning of the film playing out. But it, it, the movie in my head that, you know, that it could have been, it's, I think that it's, it's just, I think, I think it's ballsy to do something like that. And I, I don't know how they could have gotten the Mandarin to work as a character without still having somehow commented on the fact that he would have to be a guy who's like using people's fear of the unknown and of other cultures to kind of stoke that, that sense of unrest. Um, but yeah, I, I think that either way, what we're all kind of saying is that after that twist, it's like the air kind of is let out of the movie to some extent. There's really it nothing. Feels like a, it, feel, it starts to feel like a really like a really flat comic book movie, mm-hmm. you know, like where there's not a whole lot of explanation. There's not a whole lot of logic and everything that we've seen up to that point with all these extremist soldiers, these subjects and, you know, that have this in their, you know, it's in their body. And some of them are like bombs and some of them, you know, basically develop this super strength and some of them can actually like breathe fire, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. It just, it just goes off the ramp at that point. Like yep. there, there's really no logic to it. Where you understand, you know, I, I would make an assumption or I make up something in my mind, like maybe some of their bodies accepted or rejected differently, or maybe some of their bodies, 
you know, once their limbs are growing back, like it, it empowers them in a different way once they keep receiving these injections. Mm-hmm. But that's never exactly explained to you. Yeah. So you're making that up just so that I can make sense of what's going on. Literally in that last big scene, our big action scene at the end of the movie, when all these soldiers that are full of this this substance are battling all these Iron Man units. It's just like they're invincible. Like, you know, at one moment they are, yeah. and then the next they fall like yeah, dominoes. They're, they're invincible until they're not. Right. And right. then, yeah. It, it's, I the, wish you would explain the rules. Because that, that scene, yeah, I th- yeah, we talk about that rules in movies, and yeah. I think that that's one thing they did not do with the the extremists, uh, you know, whatever you want to call those, the, the warriors that have been turned into supermen with that Like universal solution. soldiers. Like the, 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 yeah, or, or Robert Patrick from whole, D2. The, like what the limits of their power, all that stuff. You know, it's interesting, since we're spoiling, it's interesting that Pepper Potts kind of f- becomes one of them. And I thought it was actually kind of cool that she sort of beats the bad guy at the end instead of instead of Tony. I mean, again, yeah. I think that that was, that was kind of a neat twist. But still, it's like the stuff I cared about in that scene... It's one of those weird things where the the characters like I sort of knew well they're not going to kill Iron Patriot, they're not going to kill Pepper Potts, they're not going to kill Iron Man. So it's like th- there wasn't really much sense of peril in that scene. And you were mentioning Steve the 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 super soldiers fighting the the Iron cost Iron Man costumes yeah. costumes the Iron su- Iron Man suits at the end. It it even though the the way it was realized and the setting of it like at the docks with those giant cranes and stuff was really cool visually and the scope of it was totally, great yeah. but the the as far as the threat it it felt almost like um like I always go back to in uh, Phantom Menace that scene at the end where it's the Gungans versus the battle droids and there's yeah. nothing but pixels on screen yeah. and it's really hard to get invested in what's going on there were moments in that battle that sort of felt that way to me i mean it was it's definitely uh better than that but it's still sort of at the end you start to feel like okay you're kind of just waiting for it to be over. You're not really yeah. wondering what's going to happen. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I don't like feeling like there's n- there are no stakes. I think that that's that's why I don't like whatever this franchise has become. Like I, they're really bad at making the stakes seem high after a point. Like mm-hmm. it's just all about once the suits came, I was like, there's no like they're going to destroy everybody at some point, and that's going to be over. I mean, like, uh, which again would have been would have been if we had known more about what those what those super soldiers were going to do or at what point they were all going to blow up and it was going to be like an atomic level blast or something. We didn't have any concept of what would happen if Iron Man didn't stop them. You know, we still don't. And I'd have to even go back in my mind to see if I could figure out what the imminent threat in that scene was, except for the fact that they had Pepper Potts president. Oh, they had the president. And, they were, well, the president. They were going to sacrifice yeah. the president. Oh, so saving the president was the. Yeah, but again, I. I, I agree. At that point, yeah, it shouldn't have been just like everyone shouldn't have been saying, well, let's wait for Tony Stark to figure this one out. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, like I was saying to you guys, like the more I thought about it after I'd seen it, the more I realized I was making excuses for it because mm-hmm. I really did want to enjoy it a lot because, I mean, you know, whatever. I'm I'm down with the whole this whole Marvel phase. If this yeah, is two. this is phase two. Um, and this is maybe like, as an indication of what they're, they're going to do, which is try to deepen the characters a little bit. Right. But yeah, let's hope the plots of the, the next couple of movies are more yeah, developed. Yeah, I just... It, <sighs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't, I'm having trouble articulating this right now. Cause like the, the Avengers film, like dealing with this other world element, like these <clears> alien <throat> and, and, you know, everything from, you know, more with like Thor and from his world, it, I don't know, so I feel like they made more sense of that mm-hmm. than they made of this, which is yeah. like military science and government. Mm-hmm. Like these are things that we, that exists here, you know? And like, I, I feel like there wasn't as much logic in this movie as there was 
in the event, you know, in the Avengers, which bothers me. Cause I mean, I think like when you come back to Tony Stark, like a lot of the positive takeaways is really kind of getting this character development, which was very good. Mm-hmm. I also loved every scene this, that he was in with that kid, Harley. Yeah. yeah. I love the kid stuff. Like when he went to that town, it was, I mean, that was great. I thought when he was, you know, nothing but good stuff to say about, which that. is like surprising, but it was totally a Shane black thing to say, okay, we're going to have this kid, which could be the sappiest part of the movie, but actually the banter was good. And that yeah. kid character was, was funny. And it was, what is it? I love when uh, the kids talking about his dad being gone and, and Tony says, yeah, dad, that's what dads do. They leave. Don't be a pussy about it you know yeah. <laughs> i love the part where tony had like the the panic attack and a kid came over to him he's like what the hell is that yeah. he just kept hanging <laughs> it on <laughs> yeah that was hilarious man. well was... i loved too like uh, the other thing that i thought was great in this movie um uh that i like and it's interesting that it made me think of southland which i'd just been watching you know how every now and then on southland there'll be a moment where there's some asshole that's like making a scene in a restaurant or on a construction site or whatever and one of the cops just goes over and just throws the guy out or puts him down or whatever and then everybody else kind of slow claps for him i i love and it it gets me when they've do when they've done it in like the spider-man films a little bit and i think they've done it a little bit in batman but when you get that sense that to the people of this town they fucking love these heroes. I, I really enjoy that. I love the idea yeah. that they're owning up to the fact that Tony Stark would essentially be, I mean, you know, a, a hero. He would be like a rock star and, and an astronaut and Lance Armstrong before everyone hated him and everything rolled yeah. into one, you know. So in that sense, I love it when they when they play that aspect of the world, that people know who he is and that people are coming up to him. And like kids have like the kid had the drawing of him going into the wormhole from the end of Avengers. And all these kids are coming up to him, wanting to ask him questions. And and it's the exact subject that sends him into these panic attacks. I thought that stuff was was really, really well done and seemed to be commenting a little bit on you know, fame and sure. and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, I thought that the character stuff was good. It's interesting what you said, Steve, that the more you thought about it, the less you liked it. I came out of it with sort of an iffy opinion of it, but the more I thought about it, the stuff I thought about was the performances and the and the the, the particularly the character arc of Tony. I, I sort of liked it more the more I thought about it, but then when I, I started remembering the plot, <laughs> I had that kind of feeling of I guess I would put it as much better, much more watchable than Iron Man 2. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, n- not not as fresh and fun as You know Iron what Man else 1. bothered me a lot? John Favreau's involvement in this movie. You didn't like it? I didn't like what happy is his name in the film. Yeah. I didn't yeah. I mean besides him being the one that gets the one picture that helps Tony piece this whole thing together. Yeah. I just feel like it was like I don't know where his character plays. Well, his in character the whole his world. like he's sort of an Alfred figure to sure, Tony. Sure. So. I just felt like though it didn't should have been Shane Every, Black playing that. Everything he everything he did in the movie just felt so forced. Like it didn't actually have any it didn't feel like that would really be happening in, in, in Tony's world. I, now. I, I think the first 20, 30 minutes of the film, there were moments where I was like bored. Yeah. Like yeah. just Which waiting for it to, to kind of po- kick in. And yeah. that's all the yeah. stuff. I mean, I, I'm not blaming John no, Favreau, no, no, but that's all. all the stuff that's that he was in. Problem. That, that kind of. But yeah, he has a bigger role in that. Like he's Pepper's little or the head mm-hmm. of security and he's. You know, he's the one that suspects something's going on. Well, him kind of scowling at the guy was funny, but that was maybe the best yeah. beat his character got. I don't know. Something about the character bothered me after the movie, like, and, and how we follow up and we see him in the hospital pointing to Downton Abbey. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, it's just, I, I just didn't like any of that stuff. I mean. I got a chuckle out of that, but I agree that, like, he, the part of the movie that he was in was the part that was sort of the bumpiest in, in terms of me feeling like, what kind of movie is this? Like, what's yeah. the what's the trajectory of this going to yeah. be? But, but I'd agree with you. I mean. Way better than Iron Man Two, mm-hmm. um, but Iron Man One definitely is still it 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 doesn't have that that I don't know that originality. I mean, obviously with being the first, but mm-hmm. just like the 
the experience, you know, of that first one and just what everything it brought. I mean, it what just, a surprise it, just, it was! It just yeah. stepped up the game. I mean, it just set the bar yeah. for these for these Marvel films. And um, you know, it definitely is a it's it's a it's a step in the positive direction. I don't think it's negative at all. And I mean, it's. <laughs> It's like made three quarters of a billion dollars already, yeah. which is absolutely insane. It's yet another movie that doesn't need our help. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I can't believe this movie made like two hundred million before it even came out in the United States. It was way better than the second one. Yeah, I mean, definitely so. check it out. I mean, everybody that if if, if you know this movie exists and you and you know any ever share a sentence about Iron Man or the Marvel films mm-hmm. or Avengers, you're gonna see it. So go see it. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you may agree or disagree with us, but I think it's definitely worth watching. I mean, I, I I'll watch it again probably. Yeah, I'll probably end up it's, seeing it's it again. It's fun. It's a fun film. I, I just you know. You almost get to the points like I felt like we were doing this with uh, Dark Knight Rises. Like you just expect so much from these movies that even though you still enjoy it, you just really want to pick it apart. Mm-hmm. And you know, you 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 look at what the present, uh, what the predecessors have done. You know, in, in terms of Iron Man one more so, and maybe the Avengers, and you just wanted to get. You want it to notch up as mm-hmm. it takes this second phase. Well, I like to. Say, I, I like the way it ends. It ends on this note that really the story of Iron Man is almost resolved in this movie. If there weren't going to be another story, you could almost see it as a trilogy because at the end of this movie, he's sort of come to peace with with who he is as a man and not feeling like he needs to be this hero. So, I mean, I guess theoretically, when they pick up with that character, he may have to be coaxed into putting the suit back on or something. But uh, yeah, were you about to talk about the heart thing? Yeah. That was the, I have to admit that. I, that again, bothered me. I feel yeah. like there's some explanation that they didn't give as to why suddenly it's possible. But yes, at the end of this movie, right. he, he gets the, he all. gets the piece of shrapnel taken out of his heart. That was the reason why he put, he invented the reactor in the first movie. And this is getting way too complicated, but there, <laughs> but there is a, there is a, a beat at the end that feels like sort of an uplifting beat. But it, again, it leads to more questions than, than answers. Um, he just now, had the motivation to do it yeah you know don't give up so the question is is he ever going to you can get the shrapnel taken out of your heart he's got the shrapnel taken out of his heart but the real threat to humanity that's posed by iron man is the fact that he has the most annoying like overly manicured boy band beard (laughs) chin strap is that ever going to be corrected is that something for iron man 4 i don't know maybe he'll cut it off well, in the in the maybe in someone the, will confuse him for a, just have like the little goatee, yeah, yeah, like in the is, opening, which yeah. is weird. Maybe someone will confuse him for a member of Color Me Bad, and he'll go and <laughs> shave it, or or he looks like Andy Cir- Andy uh, Andy Circus, Andy uh, Andy Dick. No, SNL. <laughs> why can't, why are none Andy of the Sandberg. Andys that we go to first the yeah. most relevant right Andy now? Sandberg? Andy, Andy Sandberg's Sandberg. character from the Lonely Island Boys. Yeah, his, his facial <laughs> hair. Dick oh, the, his, the things with Timberlake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Dick in a Box. Dick that character. Box. Yeah, not, not Lonely Island Boys. Which I guess is sort of a Color Me Bad riff in a sense. Yeah. It all comes back to Color yeah, Me yeah. Bad. Color Me Bad with two Ds. Come on, guys. I want to sex you up. Yeah. Mm. Just a great song. I got nothing else for Iron Man three. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm spent. I, feel I know. Like, I heard the more I talk about it, the more I'm. I know. A, a dick. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I did. I did still enjoy it. Yeah. But that's I. My 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 preface is just that I expect a lot from these movies. The budgets are huge. Yeah. They have their pick of the litter in terms of who's mm-hmm. involved with these movies, and all you want is consistency, and not just consistency. You want it to 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 notch up. And they did that's so many I things want. right. I, I that's yeah. the, the one thing that is hopeful is that they did get Shane Black, who's a director who has his own kind of style, to co-write and direct this. Oh, and absolutely. I think Marvel, it, you know, continues to seem really smart with how they put these things together. But in theaters everywhere. In theaters everywhere, you know about it. Yeah. it on multiple screens at every theater <laughs> See everywhere. That shit. Until the next big blockbuster comes out, mm. which is what's that going to be? Well, today Gatsby's coming out. Next week is is it next week is Star Trek or the week after? 
I don't know. It's it's a big it's a big movie season. Every every mm-hmm. week, pretty much, is a big one coming out. But Iron Man is very smart in the sense that it, it always kicks off the summer, and it's got those two or three weeks yeah, where it just dominates, it. and it just makes mm-hmm. a lot of money. You think Gatsby's gonna put up some big numbers? I don't know. I'm not convinced. I'm yeah, not convinced I, either. I think it's going to be a good movie. I think I'm really going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to get mixed to mixed positive, slightly positive reviews. I don't know that it, the audience is going to turn out. I just don't know that I will. feel the awareness of it all over the place. The way, like a lot of times you can tell a movie's going to going to really hit because it's like a recognizable name and everyone's kind of talking about it. And I feel like with Gatsby, I just haven't gotten that sense that yeah, I mean, I, my friends that are into movies know about it, but I just haven't gotten that sense. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't Absolutely. feel like it's reached this kind of weird critical mass. Whereas with Iron Man, there's no question that you know when the day that came out, that people were aware of it. I think I think they made a huge mistake in pushing the movie back. I think that there was much more yeah. want to see it when it was supposed to come out last fall, mm-hmm. and much more in terms of being able to ride around that Oscar buzz, even if it never got a nomination, because a lot of movies bank off of that, even just for box office. I've also read a lot of reviews this week that talk about how the 3D reason why they were pushing it back is completely unnecessary. Uh, that they're really, the 3D was not needed. I mean, there may be a huh. couple cool shots. 3D not necessary to tell the story of the great Gatsby. Yeah, the great, yeah it's weird. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it on the next episode. However, the next episode, where I'm pretty excited about, that's going to be our big uh, Maryland Film Festival yeah, yeah, yeah. episode. Hmm, I'm excited. So on the day that this comes out, it's the festival's still going on in full swing. So yeah. anyone who's listening to this, there's big movies coming out. There's big movies that are already out, but maybe you know, take a chance to see some of these that you might only get a chance to see once. I mean, uh, one thing about that's great about making time for film festivals is you know, whether it's short films or 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 you know, odd little documentary shorts or whatever it is. It, it's stuff that you may only ever see in that situation and some of these movies to see them in a crowd with uh you know on a big screen it's it's a it's a real, real not to mention thrill, that so. most of the films that we're going to be able to see at the festival this year are usually presented by somebody involved with the film mm-hmm. which is another whole level to the experience ron and i saw some films last year where the directors were there being able to ask really questions nice. mm-hmm. i mean the q a's are really fun um but we're going to have some films we're, we're all going to go see some collectively but then we'll see some independently but we'll be definitely talking about a lot of new movies coming up on episode 71, which will be our recap of the Maryland Film Festival 2013, which having gone to every festival for the last long time, this looks like probably one of the best years, it's I will good say. Like, it's got a lot of amazing uh, films on the slate, from from studio films that are films that already have studio distribution mm-hmm. that they've managed to get to a lot of, like John said, small shorts, small docs mm-hmm. that will eventually be movies probably... At the end of 2013, you are probably going to be hearing some of these films' titles being talked about, mm-hmm. you know, around the award season. Because I mean, from stuff I've read about some of the documentaries that they're showcasing, a couple of them are probably going to show up. But you know, well, it's a great way to year. feel really in the know when the awards start rolling out. Is that you know, like we go to a film festival to try to see a bunch of things. You you know, it's, it's a lot of times it's a year later that those films are getting distribution, oh, totally. and you, you you get to feel uh, you get to feel like you knew it all along. Oh yeah, so I've been recommending that film for <laughs> months now. So. Yeah. So be a it's smug. A uh, I'm excited. We're gonna have some fun. Yeah. Increase your smug. See it before everybody else. <laughs> so yeah, that's about it. Episode seventy. An, an epic. An epic episode. An epic episode. Yeah. Yeah. As always, you know what we do. We 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 eat up those minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, yeah, I got nothing else, guys. Three, three, uh, good to very good to pretty good films. I mean, you know, there's each one of these movies had uh, had something that kept it from being perfect, but uh, but you know, there's not a, of, of upstream color, the place beyond the pines, and Iron Man three. There's really not one I would say to stay away from. So. What yeah, about? I mean, the good thing with Upstream is you can watch from your house now, so just want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then be sure to check out Upstream Comer. Yeah, <laughs> it's the uh, also direct-to-DVD release. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Starring Sasha Gray and James <laughs> Dean. I don't know who that is, but obviously you do. Two very talented porn stars. All right. I'm glad we got the talent in that movie. <laughs> Nothing but the best. <laughs> As always, guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, you've made our day. 